0: Life isn't fair. You've heard that, right? And if you're like most of us, you've had days when unfair seems like the understatement of the century. Face it, sometimes we all struggle and the fight seems impossible to win. What if I told you that the fight you're in has been fixed and you're guaranteed to win? You heard me right. When grace enters the ring, sin hits the mat. Christ is undefeated. And he wants you to join in his triumph by entering into covenant relationship with him. It is an unfair fight, all right. <laughs> and with the captain of our salvation, you are destined for victory. Join us as we unpack that thrilling reality in today's text from Romans five. Welcome friend to Arlington United. so good to be with everyone today. And I'm very excited about the sermon that we have to share together today, the word of God. And as brother Jeffrey said, all we need is the word and the spirit in our lives to radically transform ourselves into what God wants to do. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Romans chapter five. There is so much meat and theology in this chapter. We won't have time to get through the real depth of it today, but we're gonna hit the highlights and I have one major point I wanna share with you today about Romans chapter five. We're gonna read one verse today and it is verse 20, Romans five and 20. Moreover, the law entered, this is talking about the Mosaic or Old Testament law, that the offense might abound. It means that when we were doing bad, as soon as we found out that the rules were that we shouldn't do bad, we knew that it was bad. If you're driving 73 miles an hour in a 65, you may not be aware. But if the blue lights come on and come behind you quickly, you check your dash and you realize the law has come and now the offense has abounded. But you realize you're doing wrong when the law steps in. That's what Paul said happened to humanity. The law showed us that we were not obeying what God had told us to do. But here's the last part that I want to focus on but where sin abounded but where sin abounded grace did much more abound would you say that last part of that scripture with me but where sin abounded grace did much more abound speak to you for a few moments today on this topic an unfair fight an unfair fight lord we thank you for your people. We're thankful that every one of these are sheep of your pasture. And we're asking you today to feed your sheep from your word. Lead us beside still waters. Let us enjoy the blessings of understanding the height and the breadth of the depth of your love for us. And today, I pray that every Christian would leave encouraged. And I pray, Lord, that every person under the sound of my voice would take your word out of this place as a strength and a bulwark against the lies and the attacks of the enemy. Against the... the the fluctuations of our own moods and emotions and personalities and things, Lord, that stand in our way of fulfilling our purpose in you. We pray that today, Lord, you would bless and strengthen your church and that you would encourage anyone who's not stepped into your covenant, Lord, that hears this message through analog means or digital means. Whoever hears this word, Lord, we pray that your spirit would convict and draw that they might fulfill everything that you desire for them in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. As we mentioned earlier, today marks the 77th anniversary of one of the largest military undertakings that the world has ever known. If you've ever seen any movie depictions or any uh, archival footage of World War II, the landings at Normandy, there was a gigantic armada. At that time, the largest armada of ships that had ever been assembled for any purpose. And it went on for, for hours and hours and hours, wave after wave after wave of soldiers stormed that beach. I, I've known men who participated in that endeavor. Uh, one particular gentleman was a Navy person and his job was to pilot the boats that went in, those amphibious, they called them gut boats, and they would go on to landing. And in his sector, his captain had said, you're only required to go one time because it was so dangerous. The guns at Pointe de Hoc and other places along Normandy had not been taken out by the 101st Airborne because the 101st, because of the storms of June 5th, had been blown 17 miles inland. And so Jeffrey, they were basically sitting ducks. There was so much firepower coming onto that beach that the captain said to his boat drivers, you've only got to take one trip. And my patient at the VA said that he went in and took his one trip and went back to the mothership And Willie, he said, well, they didn't get me. I'm going to go again. And he volunteered and he made a second trip over and above what he was asked to do. What bravery and heroism. He got back the second time and he said, I guess they can't hit me. I'm going to go again. And Brother Jim, he went a third time and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh. He made 13 trips, 12 that were not under orders, 12 that were totally voluntary because there was a commitment to a cause. If you believe in a cause enough, sometimes too much commitment doesn't seem like it's enough. If you believe in the cause, Sister Sheila, no sacrifice is too great. If you believe even in your brothers and sisters, I'm convinced today that that man, as the story that he shared with me, like many in combat, was not only fighting for the cause of the United States of America and democracy and freedom, but he was fighting for the men that we're next to Him. And sometimes, as we're involved in this battle for the Lord, there are going to be times when it's important, Mary, that I not only fight for Jesus, but that I fight because I love You. There are times when I need to pray because You need me to pray. And there's times when You pray because You know that I need You. There are times when we stand shoulder to shoulder arm in arm, and we protect one another because we have a common enemy. You can look around this room today and I will tell you under the power and the auspices of the Holy Spirit, none of your enemies are visible in this room today. We aren't each other's enemy. We are each other's friends. We're fighting on the same side. And just like it behooves an army to be unified against their common enemy, so it behooves us as a church today to have unity and to love one another because we need to advance the kingdom of god further there was a war on that day because there was an adversary and we too are in a war today and we have an adversary if i could make one point early in this homily today and encourage you to understand one thing it is that just everything that you can touch and taste and see and hear is not all that there is to the universe there is an unseen realm there is a devil who desires for you to be condemned. There is an enemy of your soul and the Bible tells us about those spiritual forces and they lead us to temptation. They they lead us to bitterness. They lead us to condemnation and they try to drive us away from the Lord. From the very early dawn of human experience on this planet, if you look at Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, you can see that when God's commands come, there's an enemy that comes to shake those commands and to try to our confidence in following God. And so it has been from the Garden of Eden until now, there has been a process whereby your enemy and my enemy, we spoke of it last week, this enemy called Satan, he desires to separate us from the love of God. John 10 and 10 tells us that his only desires are to steal, to kill, and to destroy. No matter how beautiful sin is put in front of us, no matter how tempting it may be, or no matter how the shortcut or the wrong cut looks, no matter how good it looks, there is a purpose that the enemy has, and that is to drive you from God's purpose. Remember last, last Sunday's sermon, we talked about three things that Satan and the church agree on. Three things that I agree with the devil on. And number one, there's one God whose name is Jesus Christ. James says that the devils believe in one God and they tremble. Number two, Jesus Christ is sovereign and he rules over every enemy. When Jesus encountered the demons, they didn't try to tussle with him. They said, have you come to torment us before our time? Because sister Sheila, what the demons understood was there's no contest between Jesus and the devil. That contest was solved in heaven at the speed of light. 469 million miles per hour or so that we quoted last week. God is sovereign through Christ and rules over every enemy. And thirdly, Satan has a short time left to tempt and torment the church. It is up to you and it is up to me to remain in the body of Christ. And Jim, in order to win, that's what you need to do. Now, you can work out 10 times a day. And you can do 50 push-ups. And you can, you know, look fitter than you're supposed to be by your age. Or you may study and get smarter. you may, you know, find a way to make a lot of money. Uh, you're not going to get anybody to be sweeter to you than Sheila. So you've already got that covered. But you can try to improve your life as much as you want to. But the truth is, the one thing that you need to do in order to assure spiritual victory is to stay In the body of Christ. Point number one today. You've got an enemy. But point number two. Overcoming him doesn't depend on you. It depends on you standing in the victory of Christ. Oh if I could encourage the church today. That it's not you versus the enemy. It's Christ versus the enemy. And if you'll stand in his shadow. You cannot lose. But if you step out of his shadow. You cannot win. Scott you're no match for the devil. But the good news is, the devil is no match for Jesus. He is no match for Christ. And so if our life is hidden in him, then our life is swallowed up in victory. Life is swallowed up in victory. Most of my problems in life, I'm going off notes here, going rogue. Most of my problems in life come when I step out of the shadow of the cross. And I begin to act more like me and less like him. Paul said we need to hide our lives in Christ because to hide our lives in Christ offers tremendous victory. Tremendous victory. Paul said we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Therefore, we don't allow him to take advantage of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He said we're not ignorant of how Satan works and what he wants to do. The major weapon that Satan has to fight with in the souls of men and the eternal destinies of women is sin. His major weapon is sin. And sin comes in a lot of guises. Willie, it's not always cussing somebody out. It's not always being overtly racist. It's not always greed. It's not always a temptation for sexual sin. It's not always lying or cheating. Sometimes sin is more subtle Sometimes sin comes in the guise of unforgiveness. Sometimes it comes in the guise of bitterness. Because when you and I withhold forgiveness, when you and I cling to bitterness, what we've done is set ourselves up as a higher tribunal than Christ himself. Because if Christ is willing to forgive, but we're we're not willing to forgive, then we're saying, you know, your mercy for them is not good enough. I'm going to hold them to a standard that's higher than yours. That's a dangerous place to be. It's just one example of how Satan has many baits, many baits for humans. Now, Preston's a better fisherman than I am. So is Harrison. So is Scott. I've seen some pictures and heard some stories. There are a lot of you that probably can fish better than I can. But I know one thing you don't try to catch catfish with a topwater bait, and you don't try to catch bass with liver at the bottom of the lake. You might, you might get lucky, but really bass like spinnerbaits. They like worms and they like those little frogs and hoppers and poppers that are on top of the water. And catfish, if you don't know, take something that, you know, liver, chicken liver, something like that. Put it in a little bag or on a hook and put a sinker on it and put it down to the bottom because that's where they live. Cat, catfish, are, they're like possum of the pond. They like things that are on the bottom that, and, and that's the way to catch catfish. But Satan doesn't fish for you, Sheila, in the same way he fishes for me. Because you have different temptations than I have. And you have different challenges than I have. We're wired differently. We have different personalities. And so he's gonna come after you differently than he does me. He's gonna come after you, Scott, differently than he does me. But the one common denominator is, whether you're as young as Jude and Bennett, or you're as mature as brother Jim, he's still coming for you. And he's still trying to trap you in sin because he wants to separate you from the love of God where you are meant to thrive and to flourish and to grow and to live in victory and to lead others to that victory. Willie, do you know that Satan didn't give up on you the day that you were baptized in Jesus' name? Satan didn't give up on you the day that you were wonderfully filled with the Spirit of God and you began to speak in other tongues. He didn't give up on you the day that you told Sandy that you were gonna start coming to church and you were gonna be faithful to the house of God. Satan didn't give up on you when you said, I'm going to make heaven my home. Satan still has some hopes that he can bring you down through sin. He's still got hopes for me. He wants to embarrass any Christian that he can. He wants to drag us down in the mud because that's what he does. It was prophesied by God himself that when sin entered the human race, death would follow. In Genesis 2, 16 through 17, he said, if you eat of the tree that I told you not to Death is going to come and you will surely die. James, Jesus' half brother, summed it up in his letter to the church. James 1, chapters, uh, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Why did I spend so much time today talking about the variety of sin and how Satan tempts us with different sins? And why did I say that no matter how good that it's dressed up, it always ends in tragedy? Because of this, brothers and sisters, when we hold sin to our heart, we're clutching death close to our bosom when we participate in lying cheating bitterness unforgiveness sexual immorality racism whatever whatever the sin is and no matter the variety of it or how it's dressed up or how good it makes us feel or how bad it makes us feel the truth is when you hold fast to sin you're holding fast to death death in your family death in your career death in your peace of mind death in your body and yes death in your soul We see Paul's great summation of the effects of sin in our text today. Romans 5, 12-21 tells us that sin comes to the world through the sin of Adam. But each of us has participated in Adam's sin. And on the face of it, it's not a fair fight. Because from Adam forward, it seems that every human has fallen prey to the same kinds of things. For some, it was gossip. For some, it was adultery. For some it was murder, for some it was anger, for some it was bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, you name it. Different lures in the water, but every fish wound up with a hook in her jaw. Every fish wound up in the net, Brother Jim, because we all are subject to the human condition. I'm not here to condemn you today. I'm here to stand with you and say it's not a fair fight if you fight by yourself. Because the devil is batting a thousand When it comes to dealing with us in issues of sin and his weapon is a terrible weapon because it not only kills a soul It kills everything good in our lives Paul said in Romans 5 and 12 that sin came to all and thus death the ultimate defeat came to us Every human from Adam forward has struggled and lost But just as Satan has unleashed his fearsome weapon in the fight against humanity So has God and that weapon is found in our text today Romans 5 and 20 where sin did abound that weapon was unleashed on humanity Jim there was another weapon that God had in his arsenal and that weapon is the weapon of grace and Paul said it this way where sin did abound where it got worse and worse and worse grace did much more abound and I want to bring you some encouragement today if you turn on the TV channel or you're flipping through the news screen and the scroll on your phone no matter how bad it gets in this world. World, and no matter how dark it gets and no matter how people are at each other's throats politically or socially or economically or racially or however the case may be no matter how much strife and discord we face in our nation or our neighborhood whether it's in our family or whether it's across the seas I've got good news for the church today if you believe in Jesus Christ you have back to winner because although sin may abound grace will much more abound show me a sin and I'll show you grace that can cover it. Show me a failure and I'll show you a God who is fearsome and awesome in His forgiveness. That weapon is grace. It's God's unmerited favor supplied to us. And it's God's overwhelming power to lift us into the righteousness He displayed in Jesus. You see, sometimes we don't understand the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy, mercy, Candace is God's power applied to my past. It delivers me from the spiritual consequences of past sin. Immediately when I repent and I ask Jesus to forgive me, his blood covers my past sin and my rearview mirror is no longer the place I have to look because the Bible tells me that he places those sins as far as the east is from the West. That He, he as it were, puts it in a sea of forgetfulness and there's no way that those sins can be counted against my righteousness anymore. It is a tremendous gift from the Bible that we learn that we can stand in Jesus' righteousness. How many times have I gone before God and i felt so unworthy because of my failures and my mistakes and I thought, Lord, I've done it again and I, I popped off my mouth again. I hurt somebody's feelings again. I thought something I should shouldn't have thought again i did something and lord it seems like it's almost like that puppy that you just have to keep training over and over and i think god how immature can i be that the same type of temptation the same type of failure the same type of mistake it just seems like a broken record god and when are you going to get tired of me but every time that i've come to him the wonderful thing is he doesn't tell me well wait two weeks and then we'll talk about it he doesn't say wait wait a, a couple of years and let's see if you've matured immediately he says you don't have any righteousness." Well, why don't you put on my robe of righteousness? You don't have any goodness today. Why don't you wear my goodness today? And immediately mercy covers my sin. It allows me to stand before God in good conscience and good faith. I'm immediately justified, Brother Jim, and made righteous. Not because of me. And see, that's the thing. Satan wants to condemn you through guilt. Make you feel like you're bad and you need to be away from God. But Willie, God wants to convict you through guilt. And draw you close to him. Condemnation is from the devil. And it says you're bad. Get away. Conviction is from the Lord. And it says the sin is bad. Why don't you get the sin away. So you can come closer. That's the difference. The Bible says that Jesus didn't come into the world. To condemn the world. But he came. That the world. Through him. Might be saved. Oh, would to God that we had a church full of people today that would take up that mantle and say, yes, sin is bad. And yes, we declare that it is what it is. But we're not here just to condemn people. We're here to condemn sin. Yes, but not people because we're opening our arms to people and saying, hey, if you'll leave that sin out there and you'll come to Jesus Christ, he has something for you today. Grace doesn't apply God's power to my past. Preston, grace applies God's power to my present. Titus 2, 11, 13 through 13 says, The grace of God, which brings salvation, has appeared to every person, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, catch this, in this present world. Brother Young, God provided power for my past. It's called mercy. The blood of Jesus applied to my life cleanses me from past sin. But I'm so thankful I don't have to live in some kind of, of, of limbo of spirituality and just waiting for the next mistake and saying, oh, God, I'm sorry again. He doesn't just rescue me from the pit. As David said, the Bible says he placed my feet upon a solid rock and established my going. God not only gives me his power for my past, he gives me his power for my present. And he helps me not to make that same mistake again. He makes me stronger. Are oh, you beat me yesterday, devil? You know, I I did it again. I I messed up again. I did this. I did that. You beat me last Tuesday. Oh, on December 23rd of 1972, I made a mistake. Yes, yes, I did. Glad you remember that Satan because Jesus doesn't. But that mercy is applied to the past. But Scott, every time I fail, I'm going to fail forward. I'm going to get up and I'm going to get more grace because where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Where the mistakes were, grace comes in and grace makes it possible. To live a righteous life. Just as Adam disobeyed, so has Christ obeyed. Just as Adam became unrighteous, so Christ has remained righteous. And he now offers that righteousness to us. I, I stretched the I stretched the story just a little bit a moment ago. I told you that Satan batted a thousand and every human had made those mistakes and every human had fallen prey to sin. But that's not the totality of the story because there was a God man who came and stepped off the throne of heaven one time and he was born in a stable and he was born in a manger and, and, and that, that, that God man as he grew never fell prey to sin and he brought righteousness into this world just as Adam brought unrighteousness. He brought obedience to us just as Adam brought disobedience and he brought life to us just as Adam brought death and in Christ verse 15 says the gift is not like the offense Adam's offense caused a whole lot of habit Sheila that's why one day that's why one day if 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 the Lord doesn't come back you and I are both facing death because of what Adam did but the gift is not like the offense Death will reign over you and will reign over me for a period of time until the resurrection. But the gift is not like the offense. Adam's offense caused a universal temporary disorder in the universe. But Jim, when Christ comes back, that gift Life is not going to for, reign for a period of time. Life is going to reign forever and ever and ever. Paul said, so shall we ever be with the Lord. God has not balanced the scales for us. God has kicked the scales in our favor. We're still in a fight, but God has turned the table over, Willie, and he's, he's tilted the table a little bit. God is cheating on our behalf because he's given us an unfair advantage and it's called Grace. It's an unfair advantage. The devil has such a hard job description. Spare a thought. Have a pity if you will. Because even when he gets you in trouble, you can call on Jesus Christ. And his mercy will cover your past. And his grace will cover your present. And you get the opportunity to learn. You get the opportunity of redemption. I have the opportunity. A second chance? Are you kidding me? I must be working on my second millionth chance, but Jesus Christ has been merciful to me every time. Jesus Christ has given me more grace, and Jesus Christ has blessed me to rise and walk in newness of life. Just as sin abounded, now grace abounds much more. Sin brought death, but grace has brought life. Sin brought condemnation, but grace has brought justification. Verse 18. That's why Paul was able to say later in his letter, in chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're in Christ today, Jeff, you don't have to wait and live 10 years down to live something down. I don't have to, even though you might be concerned about my reputation, I don't have to wait three decades to feel condemnation fall off of me. If I am in Christ, those three magic letters, N-O-W, mean that now I can have confidence toward God. John said it this way, if your heart doesn't condemn you, good, you've got confidence toward God. But if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. What does that mean, Jeff? It means if you don't have any guilt, congratulations, have a great day. But if you do have guilt, you can stand in the confidence of God's word, which is stronger than your emotions. It is realer than our circumstance and it's greater than our psychology. And where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Would you stand with me today? You are in a fight for your life. You're in a fight for your eternity. You're in a fight for your soul. And if you think you're not, you're foolish. You're in a fight today. But I want to encourage you. It's not a fair fight because we are in Christ and Christ always makes us to triumph. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Christ always makes, God always makes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is not a fair fight. We are in the church and the church is destined for victory. Verse 21, Paul said, we're not only gonna win here, but we're going to win there. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. You know why I'm thankful for grace today? Jim, I hope grace makes me a better leader. I hope grace makes me a better husband. I hope grace makes me a better friend. I hope grace makes me a better father. And it will do all those things. But the real reason I'm excited about grace today is grace is the power that's going to enable me to become what the Lord wants me to be so that I can live forever with Him. Yes, I want to be better at all those things. But the main reason grace gives me confidence today is I'm going to have eternal life. Paul said, I don't just have hope in this life, but I've got hope in the life to come. How many want grace to abound in your life today? Lord, grace to abound? <laughs> no matter what you're facing today, no matter what your circumstance is, I want to tell you, no matter how bad it gets, flip on the light switch. Make the darkness leave today. Flip on the switch of grace. Flip on that switch and say, Lord, I need grace today. Amen. <laughs> the devil's going to whisper in your ear, you don't deserve it. Good. Glad I don't deserve it. Because I wasn't asking for wages. I was asking for a gift. Wasn't asking for what I deserved, Jeff. I was asking for what God counted me worthy of. I was asking for a gift from my father. I was asking for grace. Want to be a better Christian today? It's enough grace for you. you. be a better husband today? Better wife, grace for you. You'd like to be a better mother, better daughter, better husband, better friend, better loved one, better community member, better neighbor. There's grace for you today. Bucket fulls. Hoover Dam fools, Pacific Ocean fulls. Milky Way galaxies fulls. a universe full. You will never run out of situations. Never run out of grace. You'll run out of problems before He runs out of solutions. You'll run out of sin before he runs out of grace. You'll run out of challenges before he runs out of grace. You'll run out of circumstances before he runs out of grace. Lord, we love you today and we're thankful for your word, which gives us strong consolation and a hope today that as we're people, your people, we can look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. God, what you have begun in us individually and as a church, we ask you to complete in the name of Jesus. Lord, what you have begun through your word and your spirit, we ask you to complete through the same today, Lord. Give us fellowship together and give us confidence in you. Give us a strong hope that Sister Jana talked about today that's rooted not in our circumstance or our psychology, but is rooted in your word and your sovereignty. Give us a hope today, Lord, that will not make us ashamed. Let us take on grace that it may much more abound in us. Amen and amen. God bless you. today. Paul's letter to the Romans couldn't make it any clearer. How in the world can we stay discouraged when we know we have the secret weapon that cannot be defeated? Let's embrace that new life in Jesus today through repentance, water baptism in His name, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Wherever sin adds up, Grace begins to multiply when we turn to Christ in faith and obedience. That's the gospel, and it's unstoppable. And through Jesus, my friend, so are you. We hope you've enjoyed being with Harling United today. We can't wait to share God's Word and His Spirit with you again soon. God bless.